Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I see that today, right? Even with my students of today, that they sometimes don't even tell me, right? Because whatever they're going through, they kind of shut down. And like, I know that when they're kind of hiding from me is because of something that's wrong. So I, I have to reach out much more. So that's the thing that I feel like it's important for students today and any student, even when we were there, being part of campus or knowing your research on campus and feeling comfortable, whether with a staff member or student or community, when you're going through these type of things, when you want to change a major, when you're going through mental health, when you need some financial support, et cetera, you'll feel more comfortable to reach out. You know where to go. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. 
So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Benjamin, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm also very, very excited and, and happy, happy to be here. Excellent. Let's have you start off by introducing yourself. All right. Well, my name is Benjamin. My pronouns are he, his, him. And I am the person behind Perez Advisor on social media, born and raised in California. My parents are Mexicanos and first generation here in this country. So a lot of the content you see on my social media is about that experience, the first generation Latino experience in, in the United States. So I don't know, like, it's always interesting. Like, how do you introduce yourself? <laughs> you know? So here I am, right? But yes, it's difficult. I think throughout the conversation, you'll get to know a little bit more, more about me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think your platform resonates with so many people because you are talking about what it is to be the first person to go to college, making more money necessarily than other people in your family, having more access to just things that will allow you to progress in life and kind of having to balance what the expectations are of your family with also your own personal goals and dreams. And it's a lot, right? So I'm curious, like, what has been your experience? Like, what did you see growing up that you think might have influenced you wanting to show up in this way? Well, that's a great question. I think overall, like being the first in your family, growing up in this country, my parents, you know, migrated over here so, or immigrated over here. So the thing that they never got to do in, in Mexico was to go to college or to be able to continue their studies because they had to drop that to work. So those stories and those experiences that they shared with us, with my brother and I, in this country, for me, it was like, okay, cool. Like, I need to continue what they couldn't do, right? I need to do the higher education. I need to go to college because that's the way, right? That's mm-hmm. the way to find success and to fulfill the dreams that they had and for my dreams as well. So growing yeah. up, that was the thing. That was the expectation. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Because again, my parents, the language barrier and not knowing anybody else and just me having to push through through all those things. So that was the thing. And once I got there, okay, well, how do I finish and get this degree? And then once you finish the degree, well, what's the next? You know, like other expectations come around, such as buying a home, having a job, having a family. So all these things, always trying to check off the boxes. But along the way, I would say, all those experiences of having to do all these things and feeling like I need to do all these things have definitely caused in a lot of learning, a lot of growth and a lot of bumps of the road. And those are the things that I try to normalize and bring on my on a platform to see that, yes, we might have goals and dreams. And yes, we might have want to make our parents happy. But this is life and it's passing by. You know, we need to be able to make the decisions now and know and know that we're not alone. So it's just like when I was experiencing these things. And we have the beautiful thing of social media where a lot of us are here trying to portray all these messages and convey these messages and see that, you know what, like there's a lot of options. There's a lot of things that we can continue exploring and there's no rush. There's these things, but there's not only one way to find success in life. Yes. And that's what I like to kind of portray with my or convey with my platform. Yes. I think that message is so important and it resonates, especially with me, because I think I had a lot of that pressure as well of having to live out your family's 
dreams, right? Because they had to sacrifice so much. And when you start to question if what they want for you is actually what you want for you, you start feeling a lot of emotions. (laughs) So let's talk about first off your college career. So you mentioned something that I think a lot of us struggled with if we're the first to go to college, first navigating the system, figuring out how to actually get into college, pay for college, graduate, right? Like, Talk me through that journey for you. When I went to college, back in my time, right? No, when I started college, it was during the time, I think it was during the time when everybody started buying a lot of houses. You know, my parents had their own home. A lot of families, like first homeowners had homes. But then slowly, like, I don't know what was going on during that time. Before 2008, people started buying a second home. And then people were probably even buying a third home. So my parents got into that flow of like, you know what? Like our friends are buying a second home. I think we can do this. It's going really well. We don't owe that much on this house or whatnot. I'm not too sure, right? But they bought a second home. So we moved to a really nice house, two stories. I have my own room this time. You know, I have to share with my brother. And then we moved, right? And then I started my community college experience. And the reason I shared this is because during the time I was in community college, which was three years, I graduated in high school 2005. So by the time I graduated community college, which is 2008, what is it called? I think the banks were going wild or something like that. Yeah, that was the Great Recession. Yes, and then people start losing homes, right? Because like Mm -hmm. all these things are happening. Well, my parents were not the exception. So here I am applying to transfer to go to college. You know, I work and all that good stuff tomorrow. I'm out for my own things. But now I have to transfer. To transfer you, I was, you know, I don't know anywhere else. I don't know nobody else at that city. I'm moving out and I have to live in the dorms. And that's expensive. My financial doesn't cover everything. So like I said, here I am trying to make decisions, trying to leave. And half my parents helped me pay for me was like un lujo, you know, like a luxury to live in the mm-hmm. dorms. But then back home, I'm seeing them struggle because we just lost the home. We're trying to move back to the other home and all these things. The bank kicked us out legit. I remember going in with my dad and my brother, breaking into the house to try to get some of the things that we couldn't get. Because we got kicked out. So, like, we're there. Like, there was a big old lock. So, we go through the back. We knew how to get into this window thing. And we go in. We grab some stuff. And, and we head out. And we're like, what the heck? My parents hardly would explain these things to us. But I was old enough to realize what was going on, right? So, we, we mm-hmm. get kicked out. I leave to college. And boom, there I am. All this guilt, no? I'm like, damn, you know, I should be back there and helping them out. I should be working and helping them with all these things. But I'm over here. Okay, and then I think someone told me, if not, if it wasn't them or I'm not sure, but someone told me, you leaving and going to college and getting a career and all that, that's you kind of helping them in a sense. You can come back and help them. Oh, okay, so like all these things. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to stay on, in college moving forward, I made the decision to try. And I've always felt kind of uncomfortable asking my parents for money. I wasn't really like, oh, mom, I need money. Hey, mom. I need. So I would, I would try to just work for my things. But in college, I did need the help. I made the decision of not asking for them for their support. So I just started taking out loans. Like you just saw me just maxing out those loans in college for the ones that we get as students and just trying to survive. So my college experience, when it comes to money itself, in the beginning of the whole transfer experience was very stressful. I was always just thinking of like, what the heck am I going to eat? What the heck am I going to be doing? Should I even be in the dorm? Should I head out? And just maxing out the loans, like I said, trying to find work over there and it wasn't so much fun, like I said, but academic-wise, yeah, I was doing well academically, but mental health-wise, financially, and everything else, it sucks. Yeah, that sounds really, really difficult, and I can imagine a lot of like guilt and 
feeling like this is not even a priority or it shouldn't be a priority for you because of what your family is going through. And I imagine that takes a toll on you. Like I said, it's just moving away and seeing what was going on. Like I said, like it sucked. It, it didn't feel good. Um, like I said, I felt a lot of guilt. But I stayed there. You know, my parents were able to luckily get the first home that we had because we were about we were gonna lose that one as well. Who knows what would happen? But I stayed. We luckily got that house. I mean, they went. I think they decided to go bankruptcy. They made that decision, and who knows? They got a lawyer and all these things. A lot of things that I'm unaware of still of how they did it. And I stayed in college. I was there for like about another three years and a half. I was able to graduate with my bachelor's. But within that path of it, you know, like I said, like I, you know, I graduated with so many loans and then I started my master's program and then more loans. They, I, they offer you much more loans mm-hmm. when you start your master's program. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like no one ever spoke to me about money, right? No one ever spoke to me about here's what you could do with your career. Here, look, check out all these mid- different majors. As first-generation students, you qualify for all these type of scholarships or like uh, support on campus. All these things that are unknown to me, you know, were unknown to me during that time. And I'm like, man, when I look back in time, I'm like, I wish I could have done this thing. But, you know, in Spanish, we always say, el hubiera doesn't exist, you know? So that <laughs> if I should have, if I could have, that doesn't exist anymore. That's the past, so you can't really change anymore. But that's why... I use my platform. I do this work. I work in higher education. I work with students who are in college. And now I get to give back and actually tell them, hey, no, check this out. Here are your options. You make the decision, but here are your options. Um, and let me explain them to you. And yeah, you know, like, so I, I think less to be able to be in this position to help others. But my experience was definitely, what am I trying to do? You know, it's just saying, you know, like when you go to the fair, those carros chucones, you know, like bumping, bumping <laughs> yeah. cars, just uh-huh. bumping back and forth. Like, okay, is it this way? And then you bump to the wall, crash with someone else. And oh, okay, maybe not. Maybe it's this way. <laughs> You're just <laughs> trying to get to the finish line. So it's a very really interesting experience being a first generation in this country like i said academically you learn a lot of things and you kind of slowly start seeing how the world works yeah i'm curious what did you study for your bachelor's and your master's i studied spanish which is very interesting yeah supposedly me i wanted to teach spanish the reason why behind that is because my professors in for the most part in the spanish department at least in community college, they were uh, Latinas from you know, from the United States, the first generation as well during their time. They spoke Spanish. So for me, I felt so comfortable mm. being in a Spanish class because everyone's speaking Spanish and everyone around me looked like me. I was like, cool, this is awesome. Compared to like a math class or an English class or chemistry, well, you know, like everyone is everybody and the professors, you know, are from any type of background. So I was just like, eh. So I studied Spanish because also the professors were the first ones who would tell me, hey, but I mean, you know, can you have the capacity to do all these things? You can have you thought about transferring? Have you thought about this? So I was like, I want to be like them. You know, I want to be mm. like these two professors because they actually care. Those these professors in class were like, give us a five minute sermon, you know, like <laughs> and then like either get angry at us and like give us sayings like my mom would, you know, like oh, yeah. all these sayings. They would like they would bust them out and like saw all these sounds like this is awesome. I want to be like them. But what I didn't realize was that they were showing us to be that it's okay to be authentic and also that they cared. You know, they helped academically, not just in the classroom, but in the office that will help us build an academic plan. And I was mm. like, wow, this is awesome. So what I didn't realize when I was in my master's program already, I was like, wow, what Ms. Professora Mendes, Professora Bacasor, what they were actually doing that I really, really enjoyed was helping me essentially find, they were guiding me through my college experience. Now and that your I'm master's in my, was in Spanish too? Yes, my master's okay. was in Spanish as well. Again, I don't regret it, but I would say it was for you know, maybe lack of guidance. If I would have 
gone back and actually learned about different type of majors. And I probably would have done a major in Spanish and in something else. I really loved Latin American studies. I love history. I, mean, I mm-hmm. love math. There's so many things that I could have explored, but I stuck with the Spanish because, again, going back to how I started my college experience, I felt like I needed to hurry up and I felt like I needed to finish. And the thing that I knew was that I, mean, I was a Spanish major and I didn't have any time to change a major. I felt mm-hmm. like I was wasting time. I'm already almost in my seventh year to finish my bachelor's program. I need to get out of here. So I'm, I need to stick with this. I need to graduate. And when I was going to graduate with my bachelor's, I'm like, okay, I need to make a decision. What's next? Okay, master's, let's do it. Where? <laughs> Spanish program, let's do it. Boom. Like I didn't ask anybody, just went with it because I felt like I needed to catch up. So that's mm-hmm. why I stuck with it. But hey, you know, like I, my Spanish is, is I felt like it's pretty good, obviously, you know, and then, um, <laughs> I think sometimes it's even better than, than my English. That's awesome. You know, and I think it's very apparent that you were seeking community and that's why you found your way into that degree program because you found a community of people that you could relate to. And I think that's something that a lot of us first-gen college students definitely feel you know, a fish out of water. I mean, I was the first in my family. I was surrounded, especially being a biology major. I'm like surrounded by white people, a lot of Indian people, a lot of Asian people, but you could count on one hand the amount of Latinos in any of my classes. And what I found helped me stay committed to staying in college and feeling represented was finding a Latino Greek organization. So I would love to know, like, what are some of the common struggles that you see with college students, first-gen college students, and and how do you help them kind of navigate those? It's very real. I think the first-gen experience and for Latinx students or students of color, what I see is that they need to find a community on campus. You know, they need to feel connected to the campus that they're attending. If they feel that this connection, if they're only going to school, like they're like a huge commuter student, they just go to school, work, and that stuff. A lot of students, that's the only thing that they that want. And, and that's fine, you know, that's total respect. I've done that many times too when I was a student. And I would lose opportunities of networking, potential mentors, of everything that a college campus could provide to you. You know, like for those students, it's a little challenging. But for the students, the traditional student, I guess, in a sense that are on campus for the most part all day or live on campus. I always tell each of those different type of students is that you need to find a community on campus whether it's join a student organization if possible, whether it's like joining a retention program, like there's a lot of services on campus, different type of groups, spaces that you can attend, that you can be part of. And once you find that part sense of belonging on campus, I think it's when, like you said, finding a comunidad that they can, they can understand you and they can listen to you and that you can see that you're not the only one experiencing X, Y, and Z. Especially today, I mean, during my time, and I'm not sure during your time, a lot of these things like were unknown to us, such as mental health. Like people wouldn't really talk about this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, and now we are, right? We're originally I'm a big advocate for it because during my time as a college student, like yeah, I went through so much mental health stuff. I had no idea what it was. I just thought again, my circumstance, my parents' experience come you know, that's my foundation. I never heard them say, Oh, I'm stressed from this, from that. Even when they we were losing a home, I never really saw them say these things out loud i would just see them get in fights at that time and maybe that's what it was right and these are the things i'm like wow like i can't complain i need to push through and even so all those mental health depressed uh stressed homesick and homelessness hungry and all these different type of things that are not mental health i could i didn't know who to tell who to like explain to who to like ask for help so i see that today right even with my students of today that they sometimes 
don't even tell me, right? Because whatever they're going through, they kind of shut down. And like, I know that when they're kind of hiding from me is because of something that's wrong. So I, I have to reach out much more. So that's the thing that I feel like it's important for students today and any student, even when we were there, being part of campus or knowing your resources on campus and feeling comfortable, whether with a staff member or student or community, when you're going through these type of things, when you want to change a major, when you're going through mental health, when you need some financial support, et cetera, you'll feel more comfortable to reach out. You will know where to go instead of yeah. like, oh man, like I don't know what to do. My loans, my financial aid, like there's something that I need to do for that. Or I'm depressed, so my mental health is all over the place. I don't know where to go. So all these things, I think it's very, very important to find that, that community on campus, like I said, and find resources on campus to know where they're at and to know that you have every right to access these resources just like everybody else. Hmm. You know, so it's a lot. I think students today have to navigate a lot, a lot, especially now that we're talking about, you know, I don't know, we're still in a pandemic or after pandemic, (laughs) whatever that may look like. But that's even another layer to the college experience of today. Yeah. I remember when Facebook just had come out, I was a college student. So like, I cannot even imagine what it's like to be just a young person in this era of 24-7 hustle culture, social media, like Mm. success porn. All of these things can be so (laughs) toxic mentally. It's terrible. Even for us that we do content creation, we're, you know, we're on social media, we do our posts, we do real, we do a live, we do podcasts. Even for us, it's sometimes like, when is it okay to kind of like turn it off a little bit and mm-hmm. just focus on you and just live life too, like not live life through the screen. It's a little challenging at times. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, like this is, I know this is my thing. I know that this will take me to something greater than I don't even expect, like with all the social media stuff that I do. And obviously I see you as a role model and then all, and I'm like, oh, look, Jenny's just busted out her, her, her this. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me, let me see. How can I continue <laughs> learning? Right. But at the same time, like, I also need to be okay to disconnect at times. I'm like, okay, mm. I, don't, I don't have to be on here and liking all this stuff or sharing all these things. Like, I can take a step back and just focus on, on me. So all these students who are in college right now, like you mentioned, they're always connected. You know, they're always on standby. They're, like, their laptop is, like, close, but the phone is on. So, like, mm-hmm. they're always there. Like, when you and I were in college, even before maybe Facebook, yeah, like, we were leave campus or... We were stopping hanging out with friends and like our phones. Yeah, we can text folks, but we were always like seeing like, oh my God, someone just did a trip. Oh my God, like so much happiness on social media. Like, oh, so much perfection. I reflect on my life, man, like I don't have everything that all my friends are doing or experiencing or living and all the stuff can just go through your mind. And it's tough. I, I definitely believe that it's tough for today. Yeah. And I think it's also the first gen experience. There's a lot of pressure to tie your self-worth with your achievements Mm. because there's so many people that are like relying on us to make the dream happen. And I'd love some of your advice on like how to navigate that because that shit is very heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, like our success, right? Yeah, like I was just thinking when you were just saying that, you know what, at the end of the day, I think our generation is pretty amazing, you know, like not because we're, you know, I'm just biased about it, (laughs) but because, you know, like, a lot of us, like you and I, and a lot of folks who are out there doing this uh, this work, they're showing their passions via social media. We're putting ourselves out there and like no one's ever really done this, right? Mm-hmm. We are the ones doing this in, in social media and changing the narrative, trying to show different things, advocate and like, yes, you can go to college and yes, you can have a successful career, but you can also maybe start your own business or 
try to find success in there in a different way. And social media could be another way. And maybe other people like family might not see it, but we're here, you know, still doing it, you know, doing it for others, doing it for us and breaking that, that cycle of like, this is the only way our people can find success. And I'm very excited. Like, I think as a first generation Latino and you Latina, I still find like, yes, I always talk about the struggles, but I'm also, someone told me one time in via DM, can we also talk about and celebrate our wins? I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm always just here talking about like the difficulties and like all these things. But no, like we're also amazing. We're resilient. We're like hard workers. We are creators. We are helpers. We're doing so many great things, but it's hard to see that. You know, when you asked me in the beginning of this conversation, can you tell us a little bit about your introducers? I'm like, well, what do I even tell you? You know, like, what, <laughs> what do I say? So I won't sound like, oh, this guy thinks he's all, all this, you know, like, mm. what do I say? If I celebrate a win on social media with my family, like, am I being a presumido? You know, like, am I, am I, am I showing off? Like, is, yeah. is it okay to do that? Like, who cares? Should I just own it and be like, yeah. I work hard for this kind of so this yeah. stuff. If I buy a house one day, yeah, I bought a house, but it took me hella to get that house. But I'm <laughs> I'm happy about it. Like here I am. Like I'm not trying to show you. I think for us, it's that struggle of like, what would people say? You know, el queridan. What are her family mm-hmm. gonna say if we travel and go somewhere? We buy a home, or we buy this, or we're celebrating with the things that we do. But no, like I think it's really valid for us to do it. Like we're not trying to show. We're just trying to show you. Look, it's possible. Look at look what I'm doing. Like. Hopefully you find inspiration. If not, the, hey, I'm just trying to celebrate myself. Um, mm-hmm. And as, as first generation, like we're always trying to help others, celebrate others and help others. What, when do we get to do that for ourselves? When mm. do we get to take time to help ourselves to celebrate us? Like who else, right? Who's going to love us more than us? You know, we, is that self love? And, and it's tough for me too. Trust me. It's tough for me too to try to celebrate my wins and, and all these things. But I think when I have done it in social media and with my family, like, all the eyes are on us and the pressure is always on us, right? To be, to do all these things. But whenever we're doing something cool, like I know people are noticing and it's okay to celebrate them. You know, when I post it on social media, so much love comes back to me when I tell my family, like we're not as communicative like that, but I know that deep down they're really proud and they're seeing the things that I'm doing. I hope the inspiration is there for them and for anybody else who are part of this journey in my life. And that's pretty much all I can ask for, you know, because all the things that I do, yeah, I do them for me, but I, I feel like for us, like we, we also do it for them. And when we get to celebrate us, I think we're celebrating them as well. Whenever we get to find a success in life, it's not just us. It's our, for our families or for the people that care for us. When we walk that stage in college and we get that degree, it's not, yeah, it says my name on it, but I look across the stage and everybody over there is looking and cheering me on. That's for them, you know, mm-hmm. and for anybody after that. So like, I think at the end of the day, our, our wins and our celebration, we should do them because it's not just ours. Is everybody else who's been supporting us and everybody else who's coming after us. So I really love that reframing because I think it takes like the self-centeredness out of it when you realize like everything that you have been able to achieve, it's because of the support system that you've had around you, whether that's familia, friends, people on social media. And so like you should allow people to be happy for you. And also, not everything needs to be shared with everyone, right? Like, just because it's not on social media doesn't mean that you're not, like, out there living your whole ass life. So it's just <laughs> it's just a reminder that, like, you know. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. You can glow up in secret, right? Like behind Mm -hmm. the scenes. Like it doesn't have to be that people have to validate what you're doing. As long as you know you're sharing something for the pure joy that it brings you of just having been able to achieve it and you're not connecting your worth with people's approval of what you're doing, I think that's when you know that you're in a good spot. A hundred percent. Yes. I love that. Yes, yes, and yes. We don't always have to find approval and share everything, you know. I'm sure you you in your life and myself in my life as well. Like there's a lot of things happening, you know, good, bad and, and everything that we don't we don't share with everybody. You know, like we don't have to share with everybody for people's opinions and all that. Yes. Like I think it's definitely super important, like you mentioned. And for me too, like self care and self love for me is super important. I don't need to give validation from people to for me to love myself and mm. to love what I'm doing. And and I hundred percent agree with you. It's tough. It could become a, a toxic feeling if you feel like you always need to find or receive an approval from folks, especially when we talk about social media. No? So I started this whole social media hustle, I guess, later. You know, I'm already in my 30s and I started this in my 30s. I'm like, you know what? Like, I don't care what people say, right? Like, I'm always with them in town. Like, I don't care. But it feels good to get the validation. And whenever I've gotten like the, not that, not as much, but whenever I've gotten like the bad comments, I'm like, ah, whatever, I'm just black and boom, move on, you know? <laughs> I would have started this when I was like 23, then maybe that would have got to me much more. But yeah, I agree with you. Validation should, it feels good, but it's not the only thing. We shouldn't be always like thinking, like I told you, ¿Qué va a decir la gente? You know, what people can say. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? Yes. People have, <laughs> have always something to say. 
They all, everyone yes. has opinions, whether they're hating, whether they're loving you, etc. No pasa nada. Like, you continue. As long as you love what you're doing and you are happy, that's all that matters. Absolutely. This conversation is like a breath of fresh air. I'm so excited to have you here, Benjamin. I want to ask you because I think for somebody who is who identifies as a man in Latinx community, talking about mental health, especially in such a machista culture, I'm like mind blown all the time. Have you gotten pushback about it? Have you gotten weird comments? And why is it important for us to talk about this? No, thank you. Thank you. I'm very, very excited to, you know, like I would say I have my cafecito with me, but I don't drink, you know, I don't drink uh, coffee. So I have, me my, either. I have my water <laughs> with me. Uh, you don't? Oh, that's, that's, yes. I, I didn't know. It, people always say, really? You don't drink coffee? I'm like, no. Yeah, it's no. like, it's sacrilegious to be Latino and not drink coffee. I'm like, I just don't like it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mental health, mental health. Like I told you, growing up, my parents and I and my brother and everything, like we don't really have that type of communication, you know, like when we're going through something, even though they always told us, you know, we're here for you, et cetera. Like, I know they are. It was always kind of like weird, right? So our families never, like my papas, papas, they didn't grow up talking about mental health. They never grew up talking about feelings with their parents. So that's kind of like the same style they took with us. It was more of like, I'm here for you. You know, I got your back and I'm, I'll do things for you. You know, like that's showing us our, our love. We do things for us, for each other. And that's what's like el amor, no? But growing mm-hmm. up, you know, being a teenager, going to college, experiencing all those different emotions, you know, all those different things and like not knowing certain things or like questioning things. I got in so much trouble. I mean, growing up, I got in so much trouble with my parents, with my, my family, my brothers, uh, my cousins, because I would question things. I'm like, no, this is not right. Why are you telling me that the sky is green when I'm telling you that it's not? Like, I clearly can see that it's blue. No, if it's, I tell you that it's green and it has to stay green because I said so. You know, I had to listen to the older folks in my family. And the reason I'm sharing all these things is because I've always been this person who doesn't shut up at times, you know, and sometimes it got me in trouble and sometimes it's helped me like, oh, it's advocacy. Okay, great. But no, like, so that's, you know, I've learned to manage all these things. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because now that I grew up and I'm much older and I'm learning and unlearning certain things in my own life when it comes to mental health, when it comes to machismo, when it comes to, like, quote-unquote, tradi- traditions, you know, traditions. I'm like, mm-hmm. are there really traditions? Or is it, like, much more than that? You know, when I when I started learning, like, totally, I love history. So when I started learning the real history of this country, the real history of Latino America, like, you know, the Columbus guy, and all these things that, that have happened in our culture and the people to our people and the things that we still do today, as people, as community, whether you're in the U.S. or on Latino America, I'm like, damn, you know, so all these things I've questioned and I try to change and I push back and I always like speak up about it, whether it's with family, with my suegros, with my brothers, my friends, not all the time, right? But whenever that conversation has happened, when we talk about machismo mental health, now that I feel more comfortable in speaking up and not caring, like I told you what people might say, to a couple of years back, 10 years ago or whatever, I would be like, if I speak up, I'm going to get in trouble. And like how I was kind of coming up with these conversations. Now, like I said, I know how people are going to react. So I know how to maybe like suavizar the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. Kind of like find the way that I'm not going to trigger the people around me. Yeah. So now like I feel like really comfortable speaking about mental health when I've learned via social media and with the family is that I can't say, oh, no, it's because you. You need to do this. You need to do that. You are doing this wrong. Tu estás mal. I'm like, look, check me out. I'm going to talk about mental health and machismo and toxic masculinity, but as a first person point of view, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing 
what I'm doing wrong or what I'm changes that I am making in my life. And hopefully you get to reflect and I get to inspire change in you. Hopefully I, I plant a seed in you and be like, wow, maybe I should kind of reevaluate what I'm doing wrong, you know, or maybe in my life, what am I doing? What changes I can make? If I see Benjamin being happy, making these changes and being okay with, you know, washing dishes or talking about how you're feeling or finding patience in your life and not just react to a, an action someone made just because you're pissed off or not knowing how to express emotion, all these things, right? So I am showing, I am trying to model that change, trying to model these things. And in social media, I do. And uh, as well, right, as you, as you know. So have I gotten pushed back? In the beginning, I would say yes, when I would be a couple years back. But now that I do social media and I do it this way, I would tell you not. And, and in social media, 85% of the people who follow me are women, according to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at the analytics, I'm like, wow, you know, like, really? Like, <laughs> Por qué? You know, where are the guys at? Porque so, eres guapo. <laughs> like, ¿dónde están los hombres, you know? Where, where, where are they at? I really find it really interesting, but those guys who do follow me, I've hardly had any pushback about mental health or machismo. I know other content creators, other men, Latino content creators, have gotten more pushback with their content. But I try to, like, I think about it so much when I'm going to post a quote, when I'm going to post a reel, when I'm going to post a, or whatever. I really dedicate and see, okay, I can't just come in and be like, bah, you know, in your face. I'm like, no, I need to be a little bit more intentional. I can't be so X, Y, and Z. And I've gotten, not really, really gotten any pushback when it comes to those topics. The things that I've gotten pushback on has been just using the term Latinx. Mm. Oh, you know, <laughs> the Latinx, you know, yes. we already know that conversation. But overall, like, I really, really don't get pushback on social media. Maybe a little coming here and there, but not really, you know, Janice. Like, and it's very interesting because I'm just one guy. Some people m- might not like what I say, but I do, I see every day the amount of people that follow me and the amount of people that unfollow me. And that's great, you know? Mm-hmm. If you want to follow me for three months and then you want to, you know, you don't like what you see anymore, that's awesome. You know, it's, it's totally, you have every right to do so, you know? So I don't get it, you know? And it's because what I shared with you, like, I really think about the content. I really think about the message. I try not to offend anybody. I'm just showing you my own experience this is my journey and i'm not telling you what to do i'm just showing you the things that go through my mind and my heart and my life that hopefully i get to inspire those around me you know like and then my family i have my family now are thinking about mental health my mom has said yeah ocupo este día libre. i need to take this day off so i can like take care of myself mm-hmm. and i was like awesome mom like yes i don't want you to be just working all the freaking time double shifts and all these things. No, take the day off. No, it's okay. Man. And she feels comfortable doing it. So yeah. all these things now, the women in my life, like las mujeres, tias, mom, my wife, etc. like they see that change in, in me and my brother and all these things and uh, the Latino men in my life. They are slowly also trying to break some of these machismo traits, whether it's like, oh, we're going to, the guys are going to cook today and we're going to wash dishes and all these things and mm-hmm. we're making a descansion. And I'm like, yes, let this not be just once every three months. Let this be more of like every <laughs> week, you know? Take yes, it's not just Mother's Day that you should no. be allowing your wife to chill out. <laughs> no, no, no. So at least when they're like slowly trying to do a day here and then I'm like, okay, cool. That's awesome. But do it more often, right? Like try to make that. So I think I'm slowly, hopefully inspiring that in the guys in, in my life and in social media. Well, hopefully more guys are invited to follow me on social media as well. Um, but, but yeah, no, no. That's amazing. Back. It's such a ripple effect when you start having these open and honest conversations. Like you just invite people to think differently. And I think that's the power that we have within all of us. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And 
I'm in already in my third season of my Instagram lives that I do. I find your purpose. And what I've learned in a year, a little bit more than a year of having these Instagram lives, I've mainly had like 90% of my guests have been women, you know, especially Latinas. And, um, you know, the, the women in my life, like my mom or my wife and, and her mom. Why are you always taking women and like talking to women? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm using my platform to try to like uplift La mujer, no, and share their and show everything that they do, you know, like that y'all do, like it's super amazing. So, last two questions. First one is, as someone who is actively working on mental health, I know for me it's been really important to get into like practices, whether that's meditation or anything like that. So, what does that practice look like for you? Oh, that's a great question. I'm gonna be honest, you know, like I I don't do therapy. I've I've never got a therapy when it comes to to that, you know, in case you need support for mental health. But I think for me, I just knowing when to turn it off, when it when it's okay to just be away from your social media, be away from the laptop, be away from the things that like are just you know like technology. I think for mm-hmm. me, it's technology. Just staying away from technology. Just going for a walk, going for a run, um, working out just turning some music and just this that you know sometimes going to the movies you know just doing things that i love eating ice cream spending time with, with my wife having actual conversations you know actually talking you know like we sometimes you know we're with <laughs> our loved ones and we're right next to them and we're on our phones yes you know, like yeah we're here i'm spending time with mom but i'm not really talking to mom you know mm-hmm. we're on our phone like no 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 let's 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 talk so i just think definitely moving away from technology and just having conversations doing things that, that you love that i love and that brings me tranquilidad brings me joy and just being you know alive essentially so mm-hmm. i would say that that's kind of like where that helps and fuels my, my mental health and trying to find that balance yes i love that and I'm curious if you have any like favorite quotes or any sayings that you just love to live by. Like I know for me, one that's been resonating a lot this year is like, your worth is not your work. Because I think we get so wrapped up in this idea that what we do for money, what we do for work, what our titles are representative of the value that we provide as human beings. And I think that is such a toxic mentality that I want more of us to be able to break. I love that. I love that. You know, you asked me this question and I'm like, why do I say like my mom has said a thousand, <laughs> a thousand of these sayings, you know, a thousand dichos. What do I say? What can I think of? And I'll, and I'll say one. And this one was given to me in, in high school. And you know, when we used to like sign yearbooks back in the day in high school. So it's like, <laughs> can you sign my yearbook? So one yes. person one time wrote to me on there, you know, she wrote a bigger paragraph. And then at the end, she said, la vida es corta y hay que saber vivirla. You know, life is short. But we need to know how to live it. And the mm. reason, like, you could think about it as like, oh, live life. Ah. But I think for me, it's more of, like, it says, right, that life is short. And we need to know how to live it, you know, mental health-wise. We need to know how to take care of ourselves. I think about our mental health. I think about physical health. I think about happiness, balance, and all these things. All these things that come and try to disrupt that, like, stress, like, toxic relationships or toxic behaviors and all these things that, that happen in, in life outside, even in our community and just in the world that, just affect us and disrupt all that and i think we need to know how to live our life we need to know how to find happiness how to find balance how to find all that joy in people and the things that we do and we like i told you in the beginning of this whole conversation the expectation for me was 
and for a lot of first gen Latinos who is, is going to college and that will bring you happiness and mm. success. <laughs> I'm like, that's not the reality of things, you know? So I think part of this quote is that even if we have the privilege that if our job is not what we want to be, like, let's go, you know, try to find a way, find success or find mentors and everything to maybe find a different job, like find that joy, find that thing. And how, knowing how to live, like, cause there's only once, you know, it's una vez nada más. We only have one shot at this. And I hope that just being able to follow that quote, I can say that along the years, you know what? I'm happy. I love my life and I love what I do and I love who's around me. So it's just that quote right there is super important for me. Mm, I love it. And I invite anybody who's listening to this podcast to really think about who you are without the job, without the accolades, without the titles, without the money, like who are you and what is it that actually brings you joy? Yeah, essentially, yes. So for folks who are loving this conversation, want to find out more about you, where's the best place for us to find you? The best place to find me is on definitely my social media. The thing you'll find everything about me and everything that I do is on Instagram, right? That is the advisor. I'm also on TikTok. You'll see a little bit more personality, like the funny reels, the funny <laughs> things. Sometimes I do share them on Instagram, but I'm more, I guess, loose on TikTok on, on some, some of these topics. But I would say mainly you can find all that, a little bit of like my Instagram lives or my Instagram lives, a little bit of the podcast that I have, the fun stuff, the collaborations on Instagram. Amazing. Benjamin, thank you so much for the work that you do to Give us permission, right, to just let go of what the expectations are that have been placed on us and start living our most authentic lives. Thank you so much. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. No, thank you. Thank you so much, Denise, for inviting me to be in this space, to feel heard, to feel validated, and to feel seen. Like I told you, I've always told you in our collaborations, you're someone that I look at as inspiration, someone that I look at to continue learning from. And thank you for the transparency, the authenticity that you have on your platform and the person that you are. I know that I'm happy to be here, but I'm also happy to say that I can count on you. And and, and it's okay to be that, you know, this is his life, whether it's financial, <laughs> career and whatnot. So thank you for what you do as well. And I'm happy to continue collaborating with you to help our community. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, Sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina, the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. 
So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer